on Sagittarian Matters, the horrors and food ethics behind chocolate, sugar, and more. Plus, some fun cooking tips with chocolatier and author Lagusta Yearwood. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. What's the Augusta Yearwood is a vegan chocolatier, business owner, and author from New Paltz, New York. She owns two businesses there, Augusta's Luscious and Commissary. And then in New York City, she has a chocolate shop called Confectionary. Augusta joined me live from Moo Shoes in Los Angeles in honor of her new book, Sweet and Salty, The Art of Vegan Chocolates, Truffles, Caramels, and More from Augusta's Luscious. We were wearing matching outfits of purple pattern dresses, yellow tights, and black boots in honor of the fact that we own a lot of the same garments, even though we have never discussed these items before purchasing them. Um, I want to say about the book, I have never wept openly while reading the introduction to a cookbook before. I love food very much, but that's not usually the case for me. Lagusta has a way of talking about her life and talking about her personal life adjacent to her work life that really strikes a chord with me, and I think this book is really special. Aside from that personal writing, she also has two chapters in the very beginning, before you even get to the recipes, talking about the politics around buying chocolate and sugar, um, the ethics of eating chocolate and sugar and finding out where they come from and trying your best and what to what to try your best for, you know, how to find ethical chocolate when you can, which places definitely, definitely have chocolate that is harvested by children. It's, it's really interesting. And I guess I have never read anything like it in a cookbook before. So I highly recommend it to you. All the recipes are the favorite ones from people who worked in the chocolate shop and they have been scaled down so that they are doable for home cooks. So don't be afraid. But it's nice, especially if you live somewhere far away from New Paltz, to be able to make your own batch of caramels for people. Just think about for the holiday season. If you gave people homemade caramels or truffles, they would lose their shit. They would be so excited. Anyway, I digress. I asked Augusta during our interview about the ethics around chocolate and sugar um, because she's done extensive research into these things, and she can tell us how to try our best. I also asked her for some cooking tips because she's been to culinary school. She's a great guest. I am very happy to present my talk with Augusta Yearwood. During this conversation, producer Ponyo is wearing her headphones and doing the levels at the board, and there is a formerly feral cat stalking her. That the feral cat's family was killed by a chihuahua, and so the cat has is seeking vengeance right now in the form of producer Ponyo. It is, we are in a really high stakes um, situation. I'm not sure Ponyo has noticed, no. but um, the cat is really. Uh, very sleek and um, really out for blood and it's pretty exciting scene we have here Ponyo is just being like the sweetest and um, yeah we'll keep you updated as this transpires um, so Lagusta your book is perhaps the first cookbook I've ever read that made me tear up why does everyone say that everyone says this because cookbook authors don't go that deep 
And you don't have a different option. That is part of who you are. I think that you hit the nail on the head. I don't know how to be cash. And when I started dating at the tender age of 39, um, friends of mine were like, I was like, oh, I just want to casually date. I don't want any long-term commitments. And um, my ex-girlfriend, obviously, was like, yeah, no, you cannot do that. So you have to understand that you can't do anything casually. And yeah, so many people have said the book made them cry. And now I'm like, well, I don't know why. I mean, I just talk about being super depressed and my mom dying. And like, why would you write about these things in your candy cookbook? Well, let's quickly talk about how you got to owning a chocolate shop. To running a chocolate shop. Yes. Um, yeah, so I was doing savory cooking for a long time. Um, I went to culinary school and did like a meal delivery service thing for something like nine years. Um, that was really fun and taught me a lot of, really taught me to cook because cooking school just kind of teaches you weird um, rules and then you have to go practice them. So What I kind that. of rules? You know, like, um, I don't know, here's your goddamn mother sauces or something and then you're like, forget these sauces. What's a gonna, mother sauce? It's like bechamel and uh, oh wow I, what if I can't remember any of the mother there's like four mother sauces like espanol and no one ever makes them in real life I feel like you have some kind of um, sweet thing fat thing um, sour thing kind of I feel like you have some kind of principle in your head yeah. that you may assume we all know but we don't know Yeah, no, I mean, I think, well, I kind of talk about this in the book, actually. Thank you for that tie-in for the Time Caramels, which I think, honestly, is a Nicole favorite, if I will say. It is. Um, Where it's this formula of a salt thing and an acid thing and a kind of savory thing, which in that case is thyme, I guess, Um, and and sea salt and lemon. And combining those things is like a really kind of power trio um, that everyone seems to respond to. So, yeah, I think there are little rules, but then I think it's really important to get out of your your rules, too, and out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, there's a recipe for, like, maple caramels, and that's just um, umami. It's just, like, really rich, deep flavors that's just toasted nuts and maple, and there's no salt. There's no, um, like, acid. It's just, like, really, like, fall-y kind of flavor. Um, so, yeah. What are your tips for vegan umami? Man, there's so, there's so many fermented foods. Mm-hmm. Um, mushrooms, obviously. I mean, there's the, the, the typical nutritional yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, caramelizing everything, like almost burning everything, um, like caramelized onions, caramelized mushrooms, caramelized garlic, like just tons of these like power ingredients and really cooking them down. Not like burning them because then especially garlic is bitter. Um, but yeah. You do say something in the book that you, it's kind of a throwaway line, but you basically were like, don't stir it as much as you're stirring it and let it get a brown on there. I just taught you to cook. Yeah. Can you rephrase that in the normal way? Yeah. I know when I used to hire people for the meal delivery service, I was just stunned by how much people stir because they want things to be, I don't know what, like even, but I feel like there's actually a lot of virtue of, um, Honestly, some things being cooked at different donenesses than others because then you have all these different kind of like um, flavors and those together add a more deep flavor. Um, so yeah, what a lot of times people would start cooking with me, I would just be like, okay, let it sit, let it sit, let it get browned. Because if you stir something nonstop, it's never going to get browned and then you're not going to develop any flavors, which sometimes you want because maybe you want a really, oh, hi, Ponyo. Ponyo's licking me. I feel very honored. Hi. Um, you know, because maybe you want a um, just a very nice 
nice light fresh flavor but i feel like in vegan food a lot what you need is a really more rich flavor and something that's not just um like i don't know steamed broccoli or something um wait who needs to be cooked the least who needs to be cooked the most Okay, I feel like uh, I am a weird cook where I feel like everything needs to be cooked a lot. <laughs> okay. I mean, I love salad and things like that, but I don't know, that's not true. I like a nice, like, blanched vegetable, like green beans or something. Um, but I also do, like, a slow cooked green bean that's really um, cooked for a long time with garlic and olive oil and some vinegar. That's, like, a southern style um, green bean. So, and it gets a really, like, olive drab color, so it's not beautiful. I think a lot of times people undercook vegetables because they want them to look beautiful but i'm more concerned with having them taste really deeply flavored so a lot of times you just have to sacrifice that fresh kind of steamed or blanched look um, in order to have the the nice flavors nice. okay so when we last left off on your trajectory yes. you're in cooking school yeah. learning some of these roles then what okay so then then i got martha stewart living um <laughs> And I started making this Martha Stewart Living truffle recipe, and I replaced the non-vegan things with, like, non-dairy creamer and some kind of horrible margarine. No, it was coconut oil, I think, from the start, because I was kind of out of my margarine days. Um, But, oh, the cat is coming a little bit closer. Okay. Um, Oh, boy. (laughs) The cat's getting into a pouncing position, and it does look like a panther. I'm just going to a panther with a cut ear to show it's been spayed. Um, we're a very kind person is, oh no, maybe the cat is just resting. It's okay. If yeah. You, I, might be all right. you to yeah. I don't want to get the fine. brunt of this. <laughs> we have a drama happening. Okay. Um, anyway, so then I started making truffles and making them for friends, shipping them across the country. And, um, I'm really grateful to the customers who ordered things on that day. Like Nicole. Um, like me. Yeah. Well, who I followed you. like the weirdest, most damaged chocolates no they were the finest things i had ever gotten in the mail i'm so glad today's episode is brought to you by shoshana ruth wechter michelle lemoyne mary pinson jill soloway christy harrod katherine tice our dogs and rachel and jolie if you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, including producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet, like the insect, leg, like its appendage, at gmail. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's voice. Augusta, you got into chocolate, but chocolate is a controversial ingredient. Can you talk about the ethics of most chocolate and how you find the most ethical chocolate you can? Yes. What is up with most chocolate? And also, this is a three-part question. What's up with most chocolate? How did you find ethical chocolate? And what do you recommend to us, people who are using your recipes at home? Cool. Um, yeah, I got into chocolate to show that you can make ethical chocolates with um, 
fairly sourced good chocolate um, because there is so much bad chocolate out there. And by bad, I don't mean taste-wise, although there is a lot of bad taste-wise chocolate, but there's also a lot of bad chocolate where just the ethics of it would make you cry if you knew how it got to your uh, plate. I don't know if you eat chocolate on a plate, but... (laughs) Talking about, like, slavery... Yeah, so basically there is a lot of forced labor. I'm making air quotes um, because it is slavery because it's people who are not paid for their labor um, in pretty much West Africa is where the... um, majority if not all of the I mean there's ethical problems with everything that we eat but specifically with chocolate it's a lot of children being taken from their families sometimes saying that they are going to go to schools they don't go to schools they are harvesting cacao from um, sun up to sun down and many times beaten many times not paid for their labor um, and they work for years five six ten years or something if at these cacao plantations and I just want to say that this is not just me being a crazy person I'm trying not to say the word crazy I want to I want to double back on that trying not to it's not just me being a bananas um, yeah. being a little um, yeah um, bananas person let's say um, making these wild claims from the far left. These are things that the the big three chocolate manufacturers of Mars, Nestle, Hershey, and pretty much all the big chocolate companies do not deny. They're not denying that they use chocolate that is sourced in ethical, unethical ways. They say that they're working on it, but they've been working on it for many years, ever since I think it was about 2001 or so that they first got called out on this. I'm sure they knew about the problem a long time before, but the media started to focus on it and there started to be a lot of stories about um, how chocolate was harvested in terrible ways. So they have set a lot of industry deadlines within their that they've decided um, that by like 2005, 2008, 2010, we're going to clean up our supply chain and they just have briefly past all these deadlines saying that it's too hard and it's too entrenched and um, they're they're working on it but they're working on it at a super slow pace especially slow if you're a person who is harvesting this chocolate and living in a shack and having a little um, tin cup to pee in is a quote that I remember from a piece I read about it Um, so yeah it's not good so where how did you then find your chocolate suppliers Um, Yes. So I worked really hard to find our chocolate suppliers. Um, We used to use an organic and fair trade company that I have a lot of, um, not issues, but I think it's a lot more complex than just buying organic and fair trade in that those, to a certain extent, are labels that you're paying for. And hopefully you're paying for... Um, exactly what you think you're paying for, which is with organic good practices in terms of environmentalism and with fair trade good practices in terms of labor practices. But sometimes they it's, it's more complicated than that. Any kind of certification system is vulnerable to being corrupted the bigger it gets. The USDA um, organic program was taken over by the USDA in 2002, 2005, something around there. And I think a lot of farmers that I know feel that it's been watered down. It's not a perfect system. And that sometimes for me, coming from things from an anarchist perspective, where I prefer to analyze things myself instead of just um, deciding on a certification and hoping that it covers all of my uh, ethical bases, I try to research companies and really only work with companies that I truly believe in all down the supply chain. Um, So 
we used to so anyway the chocolate we use now is from ecuador and i've actually been to the farms where it's grown it's a really beautiful small company that's very proud of being like latin american um focused chocolate and they actually make all the chocolate in ecuador which is um and i should say that like for us it's a little confusing that we're not chocolate makers we're chocolatiers so what that means is we make chocolate um confections so we make like caramels and bonbons you don't have to say it like that maybe don't say it like i don't know that. what that word is <laughs> bonbons okay. <laughs> Um, and we don't make the chocolate from um, beans because it's just a lot more technical process that I'm personally not interested in. Um, and if you're a chocolate maker, you're really not a chocolatier and vice versa because it's just too much to do both. So most people specialize in one or the other. Um, so we specialize in um, confections and not in making things just from beans anyway so um but i'm really proud that our chocolate maker that we buy our bulk chocolate from they make everything in ecuador because it's very rare that you see chocolate being made at the source where it's grown it's usually grown in west africa and made in france or you know it's it's really cool that they are working with the local communities who are close to this agricultural product to know um what it takes to make them and yeah so i I love our chocolate so if i got your book and i'm joe schmo nicole george's walking around the natural grocery store or Whole Foods or what have you and I want to make your confections that are in the book but I want to get chocolate that perhaps has fewer links to forced labor and um, terrible environmental practices. What do you recommend? Thanks for asking. Um, I don't want to use your book as a jumping off point to invest in things that you are diametrically opposed to. Yeah, no, totally. Please don't do that. Um, that would be sad. I would be secretly crying at night because I would feel it somehow through through the air. Um, yeah, so I talk about this a little bit in the book, but a lot of it is just um, if you're relying on the fair trade label, I'm not judging you. It is definitely, let's say, hopefully definitely better. Um, you're just a consumer in the world. This is probably not your job. So I'm not putting any shame on anyone for what they, if they don't want to devote 10 hours to researching a chocolate company to making sure it's totally perfect, but it is great to at least do a little Google search, look at the fair trade label. For me, fair trade is more important than organic because uh, organic chocolate is like not even, I mean, I think actually in West Africa, there are pesticides used, um, but in South America, I don't really think there are a lot of pesticides for chocolate. So if it's a choice between organic and fair trade, I would definitely buy fair trade. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of good makers out there. Um, Cho is good. Theo is good. Any kind of like more expensive chocolate is going to be generally better um any kind of i mean like hershey's is just straight up terrible awful chocolate that you never want to know how it's made um generally if you're spending more it's better there are some i'm sure exceptions to that and sometimes you don't want to spend a ton because you don't want to buy like a fancy bean to bar um like heirloom cacao you know thing and then make caramels with it that's a huge amount of money for you to spend don't do that so yeah Interesting. Um, now, will you talk? Can we talk about same conversation, but sugar? What up with sugar? Yeah, what I feel like <laughs> what is up with sugar? What is it's up with that? you know, <laughs> it's almost like the more you research every ingredient we use under our modern capitalist system, it's maybe a little bit unsavory. What is the <laughs> word that punks were using in the '90s to describe this certain kind of product? It was like cash crops or like. Blood crops. There was something where it was like certain anarchists I knew that were super hardline were like, I don't drink coffee, I don't do sugar, I don't do chocolate. 
what I'm talking yeah. about? No, I know what you're yeah, about. like 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 blood something or yeah, what anyway. is it? Anyway, sugar. Um, yeah. So it's kind of the same thing. I mean, it's it's a it's a agricultural product that has been grown for literally hundreds of years in sketchy ways. Um, I read a huge book about sugar that is listed in the in my book. I have a what's it called? It's called sugar. Um, I can't remember, but yeah, if you buy my book, you can see. Um, who wrote it? I can't. Elizabeth Abbott. I want to say that could be totally wrong. Anyway, um, but what it says in there that blew my mind was that the modern, quote unquote, modern um, slavery was actually came about for labor for sugar plantations. So sugar has been um, a bad ingredient for a long time. And with sugar, same thing. It's important to buy organic and fair trade sugar. Um, with Organic is really important for sugar because it can be pretty uh, sprayed. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, Wholesome Sweeteners is a brand that's like everywhere that is a really good ethical brand. That's what we use, and I feel really good about it. I'm trying to think of other, I think Florida Crystals is fair trade. Um, other than that, like, there's not a, it's not like there's a million brands of sugar out there, but any kind of like Domino sugar, not only is it not vegan because of bone char, um, but it's not produced in ways that would make you happy if you knew about it. So, yes, it's a it's- sad world. Well, you know, it's it's true that many things that, you know, like when people are like, how can you be vegan because plants and then like the tires of the car getting the plants aren't vegan and they're hitting an animal on the, it could just give me a break. But when you can research something and do something different with your money, why not try? Yeah, exactly. Why not try? And I also want to talk like just for a second about like privilege and how just like having the ability to make these choices has is so much privilege. And I mean, if you are working, you know, 15 hours a day and you're exhausted and you're barely paying your bills and what would make you happy is a Hershey bar, I am not judging your choices. You know, I think if you can make the choice to buy things in more ethical ways and put your money in that way, that's wonderful. But we're all struggling in various ways. I mean, except for some of us. I'm sure there are people out there who aren't struggling. (laughs) I hope they're buying things in ethical ways. Um, But, you know, we all have to decide what fits our ethics and our budget and our lifestyle and I think it's really important to not judge people for what they're not doing perfectly because no one's doing anything perfectly I know in my business the whole reason it exists is to make ethical chocolate and I'm sure if we traced every single ingredient we use to the source there would be things that we weren't happy with and we're just trying to do the best we can today do better tomorrow and hopefully um, you know we can all be a little kinder about those kind of things If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. So your book is teaching lay people how to make chocolates. Can you tell us one thing that you feel like is a cornerstone to making them yes i would say so the book is roughly half caramels and half um like truffle chocolate based things so it's kind of half sugar based things and half chocolate based things um and with the caramel side of things which i think people are scared to make caramel but if you have a thermometer that's going to make your life so much easier. If you don't have a thermometer, you can make the recipes. They're just probably going to turn out differently. But one thing I talk about a lot in the book is not that it's impossible to make something bad, but if something turns out differently than you wanted it to, it's probably still nice. It's like if it's too 
if it's overcooked, maybe instead of a caramel, it's like a hard toffee and that's okay. Um, but that said, just buy a thermometer. They cost like $15 and it'll make your life so much better. Um, that and for the, um, chocolate side of things, a lot of the chocolates are ganache based. So it's like a just mixture of chocolate, um, cream, milk we use coconut milk and coconut oil um and for that it's the simplest recipe in the world but you just need to like form the truffles when they're set up properly and when they're you know a lot of times when people are making um truffly things they try to force the ganache to i'm trying to think it's hard to explain if you're like not in the confectionery world sort of but i tried to do a good job in the book um like try to force the ingredients to do things they don't want to do and if you just watch it according to the recipe in the book and and you know roll your truffles when they're ready to be rolled they're so easy it's just um using science to make make great things did i explain that well oh yes weird (laughs) science Okay, what is, you like to make a lot of weird things. Yeah. What is one bar or truffle that you were really excited about that didn't go well with anybody else? There are so many. (laughs) You can be a list. (laughs) It's a whole list. Well, a lot of times there's things. So one of the things about the shop right now is that um, the women who work there, I think it's all women except for maybe two people, the women and other people, um, non-binary people and men who work there, um, they really, they really kind of cut me down when I'm making a wild thing that's not going to sell well. And they're very good at being like, let's uh, not do that. And I really appreciate it because we are trying to focus more on um, profitability <laughs> these days. So it's, it's appreciated. Um, but uh, A man walked in. He has to, he's taking focus. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it got a little loud in here. Um, so I'm trying to think. I wanted to make this whole box. I wanted to call it like the Locavore box. And I thought it was a thing where everyone who came to New Paltz as a tourist would buy this box because it had a lot of every piece in it had a local New Paltz product. But I think that that got very, um, no one understood what I was trying to do. There was a lot of, like, there's this one farmer in New Paltz who grows ginger. So I was like, oh, I'll make this ginger white bean thing kind of like mochi with like red bean on the inside and I think the vision I had of it no one understood it and they're like why am I buying this chocolate box from upstate New York that has ginger and it's all focusing on local ingredients and then the farmer who grows the ginger is like this ginger is ungodly expensive because it's so hard to grow in this climate and then everyone else was like why does it have beans in it so there's a lot of layers of um incomprehensibility with that one and have you ever made something that was so hard that you decided to stop making it Oh, yeah. Uh, lots of things. Uh, have you ever had the peanut butter toffee bar? In fact, I have, <laughs> which now I feel like Tom Bumble has taken up the yes. torch of that. It seems like they just took your recipe off the internet. It was just fine. But please share. No, I love it. I, I mean, tell us about this, this bar and what's the deal? So this bar is basically like, um, it's basically like a... <laughs> That's me shushing everybody. Nicole's shushing. She's, okay. she's good at this. Um, so it's basically a what is it butterfinger yes <laughs> basically a butterfinger bar but it's if you've ever made croissant um croissants and people yeah. are popping balloons i don't know what's happening oh it's champagne it was champagne it was champagne yeah um it's a festive atmosphere right here um so it's basically a hot sugar croissant dough <laughs> so the recipe's in the book and it's great you should make it at home it's wonderful but it's um it's an it's an afternoon of work it's pretty fun it's like nothing else you'll make so the croissant one-to-one is that there's many many layers yeah it's like going a croissant where there's so many layers of the flaky dough. It's that, but it's with flaming yes. hot 
like peanut butter toffee. Yeah, for an extra twist, you can't touch it because it's super hot. So you have to wear gloves. It's a great, it's a grand old time. The whole family, bring them along. Um, but it makes a delightful confection that everyone loves. But it just doesn't make sense. I don't know how these Tom Bumble people. I'm like, go for it. But they're selling them for two fifty a nug, yeah. and each nug is about a half inch or an inch big. Yeah, which is a similar just, to the pricing of is. yours. It's true. Yeah, I don't it's know. Good. It's good. They're doing a good job. Maybe they found but, a bunch you know. of people that had calloused hands already, like like old like old people that had worked their whole lives. Yeah. Or maybe there's machines that I don't know about, but I don't think there are. I'd like to see the how it's made for Butterfinger and turn my life into that. But so what um, you did, instead of hoarding the recipe, you put it on the internet and said, make it yourself. Yeah, well, we used to have a space where you could buy it on our website, and then we are like, we just can't do this, because it was the kind of thing, um, like a, just a loss leader, where we hope people won't buy it, because then we can't keep making it. So it's kind of it's exactly like croissants. So we sell croissants at our shop in the city, and they all are... And yeah, in our cafe, they sell out every day by like noon and everyone's like, why don't you make more croissants? And I'm like, because if we made more, we'd have to close. And it's a weird thing like that where the labor costs are so high. So instead of just having it, um, instead of taking the link down on our site, we were just like, here's the recipe, just make it yourselves. And one time our in- an intern of ours made it and it was very, it was good. She wooed us with it and we we're like, okay, come on, you're doing great. That's really cute. Um, okay, Lagusta, now that everyone here is really re-embracing the party atmosphere despite my severe multiple shushings um what are your last thoughts what are things that you want people to know what can people know about the book about your shop about making chocolates food anything um i think that even if you're not a person who would make vegan confections maybe because you're not vegan or you hate vegans or you hate sugar you should still buy the book because there's a lot of cool things in there and also there it's a really a book to read just like nicole said especially if you want to cry um it's there's a lot of words in it and i really wanted to write it for honestly my target market is non-vegan pastry chefs so that when um like vegans who are snobby about food go out to fancy restaurants pastry chefs have something nice to make them and they don't have to eat mango sorbet i wanted to call it no mango sorbet can we wait really briefly before we go can we talk about like the big, the biggest bummers for you that vegans are offered for me. So you said mango sorbet. I'm gonna say a soggy hummus wrap. I hate hummus and I hate wraps. So yeah, <laughs> perfect. Okay. You have another one. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't to be down on sorbet because there are some great sorbets. Get down I'm on like, sorbet because when we're like, I want ice cream, and someone's like, yeah. how about this yeah. crystallized fruit? It's so sugary. Um, yeah, it's sad. I don't know. I mean, an iceberg salad with like terrible dressing. Although I love I love salad, but yeah, there's so many. But I feel like the world has moved a little bit past it. I can't even remember all of my pet peeves. I, Steamed veggies at like a wedding. Uh, I don't know. I went to a straight up steakhouse and I got a plate that had steamed broccoli, some s- steamed spinach, and some potatoes. And I was like, this is more than I was expecting. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. I, I think even the baked potatoes are never vegan at, at steakhouses. Yeah. Um, hummus. Yeah. Sorry, hummus. Endless, endless hummus. Not interested. How about a portobello steak? Do you mind it? I hate portobello. I think it's done. We need like 15 years before any vegan can eat portobello ever again. Because we're all triggered. Yeah. We're, yeah. But I also, I'm just so, I just don't have any interest in like burgery things. So oh. I simultaneously don't want a portobello burger and I don't want an impossible burger. I don't want anything on the spectrum. I would like some nice, like roasted vegetables with a nice sauce. I don't know. Yeah. That, that even sounds boring, but I don't know. Like Asta, thanks for coming on the podcast again. Thanks, Nicole. I really enjoy your podcast. It's the highlight of my week. Thanks. Thank and you. we look forward to having an, an Augusta's Luscious in Los Angeles. 
Yeah, someday. Yeah, it's happening. People from LA, get up in this. Yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.